everything you've been told about the Ukraine is a lie. Talk about that coming up. The FBI targets the Amish. Have you people no morals at all? I guess they've already answered that question. And the Dalai Lama explained. It's not what you think. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. We are live across rumble.com. Thanks so much for popping in here tonight. It's uh, it's good to see you. We got lots going on. We have all kinds of cool stuff coming up. And uh, yeah, we're going to get to most of it in just a little bit here. Oh, let's... uh, Let's pop right off by telling you that uh, you can protect your online activity and with the best and the easiest VPN, NordVPN. Use our special link in the show notes and you will get an incredible deal. Three months at 59% off. That's a deal. NordVPN. All right, here she comes. We always start off the show with an update on our favorite little Shiba Inu baby. That would be Miko, and this would be her. (laughs) We had a great time yesterday. There's a uh, pet-friendly cafe called Wolf and Walk. W-O-K, walk, and wolf as in a dog bark. Anyway, uh, we we went there. It's a little pricey, but the food, oh man, huge portions and uh, really tasty stuff. Uh, there's a sample. We also had some other stuff, but uh, it was like a uh, some sort of an omelet thing and some veggies that had some shrimp inside, which was nice. And uh, there's the little lady. Um, she she didn't have food, but that's all right because she just would have made a mess anyway. And look, there's yours truly, and Miko, and uh, all of our. Oh, there was a really nice chicken dish there too. So check it out. It's a Wolf and Walk. If you're in Malaysia, yeah. Check it out. It's a pet-friendly place. You can bring your doggies. And uh, this is Miko, who was on patrol, by the way, uh, running around the restaurant and checking things out. So <laughs> that's the uh, that's the Miko update for tonight. All right, we got lots going on, and uh, it just keeps getting curiouser and curiouser. Um, it has been an interesting weekend. We've got, uh, where's our first story here tonight? Where did we put it? Where? Oh, it's from Substack. That's why. Okay, we'll find it. Just give me a second here. And there we go. Can you kind of tell we're putting this thing together at the last minute? No, actually, I was prepared earlier. (laughs) I really was. I really was. Hey, we picked up a bunch of new viewers, by the way. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. It's uh, great to have you guys along for the ride. If you haven't yet, by the way, right over here is a follow button. Just hit that button. Uh, it's it's free. costs nothing. And just hit the follow button, and away you go. You're, you're in. You're in like friend, uh, Flint. All right, here we go. Everything you have been told about the war in Ukraine is a lie. We've spent so much time talking about the leaker and the documents and the Discord channel and everything else that people have almost forgotten what was in the documents that were leaked. Following the leak of classified documents exposing the Biden administration uh, corrupt lies, the administration and the media 
are determined to convict the whistleblower. There's the rotting puppet. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced Thursday the FBI had arrested 21-year-old Air National Guardsman Jack Tezera. You've all heard this story, I know, a thousand times. Uh, the fact that they have already have a suspect in custody for this rather embarrassing link, uh, a leak is uh, quite telling. Uh, they're still baffled about who was behind the politically convenient Supreme Court leak. They still don't know who did that regarding the Dobbs decision months ago. The different, they still haven't found the bomber or the person who placed the bombs in Washington, D.C. Hmm. Can't manage to figure that one out. But by God, with 24 hours, we got the leaker of these documents. Got him good to rights. Uh, the difference between this leak and the other leak is that this one must have been more about the leaker instead of the content of the leak. Uh, because the contents of this leak is an expose of the entire Biden administration's utter incompetence, dishonesty, and absolute, complete, and utter corruption. Uh, the documents reportedly contain a host of sensitive information relevant to ongoing events involving the conflict in Ukraine. Now, according to the New York Times, who can be trusted just about as far as you could possibly throw the whole building, the documents contain a description of Ukraine's struggling air defenses and plans for their coming counteroffensive campaign. All of that information could have rather significant impact on the dynamics of the war, particularly to Russia's benefit. A lot of Americans already skeptical, uh, skeptical about all that money we've sent to the Ukraine and where it's going and how much of it has gone into Zelensky's pocket, among other people. If the Biden administration insists on spending billions of taxpayer dollars on this war, they should at least be competent enough to avoid some sort of tactical blunder. Uh, they could have avoided it if they weren't so corrupt, dishonest. A whistleblower felt obligated, as he certainly was, to expose the lies. We've been told since the beginning of the conflict that it is not a proxy war between the U.S. and Russia. We've been told there are no U.S. forces deployed in the war zone. And we have been told that the Ukraine is winning. Well, that's the narrative that's been pushed by all the media and uh, state-controlled media, which is just about everybody. Uh, it's been on repeat for over a year now. But the leaked documents completely and utterly shatter that narrative. There are U.S. forces deployed in the Ukraine. In fact, this was confirmed Wednesday by John Kirby in an interview with Fox News. Uh, this is not only a proxy war between the U.S. and Russia. We are quite literally in the middle of a hot war with Russia right now, and we have been, and they have been lying to you about it. A war which has not been approved by Congress, which our laws require which would make it a crime. The documents also reveal Ukraine forces are in dire straits. According to the documents, there have been a total of 16 to 17,500 Russian casualties and as many as 71,000 Ukrainian casualties. That idiot 
General Mark Milley has stated publicly in November that Russia had lost well over 100,000 soldiers. Lies. These documents aren't even that old. According to the Times reporter David Sanger, the documents were merely weeks old at the time of the leak. Two weeks ago, Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, made the assertion the Ukraine was winning the war when he testified before Congress. Not true. Not winning the war, and Austin knew that when he made that claim to Congress, under oath. Lying before Congress, if you didn't know, is a crime, folks. Will anything happen to these people? Mm, Absolutely not. Two-tier system. Hope you're enjoying it. In a press conference, Kirby asked reporters to refrain from reporting on the leak, saying, it has no business, if you don't mind my saying, on the front pages of newspapers or on television or podcasts like this one. It is not intended for public consumption, and it should not be out there. Yeah, good luck with that, pal. Uh, The government's job is to keep classified documents out of the public eye, and the job of the press is to report information to the public. The Biden administration has failed. Big F, zonk. As a result of their own corruption, frankly, uh, keeping these documents secret hasn't happened. So they want the press to do it for them. And you know what? At the press conference, all the press was interested in is whether or not they've done anything to make sure something like this doesn't happen in the future. Not about what was in the documents, which you'd think the press would be more interested in. But they're not. The link to this uh, entire article is actually in our show notes tonight, and I encourage you in the strongest terms possible to please check this out because uh, it's frightening. It really is. All right. What else we got going on here? Hmm. Hang on a second. Because I am trying to make sure that I've got everything happening that I'm supposed to have happening. All right, here we go. For some reason, I can't get my live stream to come up, but it is there, and I've got a bunch of people watching right now, so I'll just trust that it's working. (laughs) I hate it when this happens. I really hate it when this happens. Hey, by the way, did you see this... (laughs) You got to check this out. Hang on. I'm going to switch uh, switch cams here just for a second. Uh, somebody put this together. It's a little short clip from Biden's trip to Ireland. Watch exactly how lost this moron is. Uh, you know what? I don't even think I have to explain it. Let me just uh, Let me just play it. Here we go. Watch this. As a matter of fact, as you walk into my office in the in the Oval Office in the United States Capitol, guess what? You know who founded and designed and built the White House? An Irishman. Hmm. Now watch this. This is the Prime Minister of Ireland, who he pushes out of the way to go up to some nothing military dude he doesn't even realize that's the prime minister and look at his eyes here look how lost he is 
This is a man who has no idea what's going on. There's nothing our nations can't achieve if we do it together. I really mean it. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go. Let's go lick, lick the world. Let's get it done. Let's go lick the world. Now, I've seen a lot of commentators make the comment. Look, I can't stand this guy. I think he's a complete demented idiot who is ruining this country. But two things. One is that I think what he meant, because the guy's like a thousand years old. Back in the day, there was an expression, lick, which means like if, if you were going to, I'm going to lick your butt, mean, meaning not what you think, meaning I'm going to beat the hell out of you. Let's go lick them. Let's, it means like to beat them, to win over these, you know, to beat them. We're going to go to war and we're going to lick them. I think because he is so out of touch old school, we don't use that expression anymore. But I'm not forgiving him for anything, but I don't think we ought to necessarily pick on him for the lick word, because I think that's likely what he meant. He's still an idiot. He's still an unelected fool. But I can forgive him the lick comment, because I think, I think, I don't know, but I think that's what he meant. The other thing is, I had this thought today. See if you agree. Everybody is so quick to blame Biden. And I am not defending the man. The man should not be in office. He wasn't elected to that office. But because he has so lost his mind, he is so, the, the dementia has set uh, long before today. We're blaming the wrong person. He is simply the figurehead. Do you think that all this crap he's coming up with, he actually invented himself? Handlers are doing all of this garbage crap that is ruining this country from the very beginning, the moment he hit the office when he shut down the Keystone Pipeline. I will almost guarantee you that that wasn't Joe Biden's decision. And I don't think since then any of his decisions have been his, honestly. He's the puppet. He is the rotting puppet sitting in that chair, just having his strings pulled. So it is easy to blame him, and he is an idiot, and he shouldn't be in the job. But the real blame has to be placed where it is deserved, and that is in whoever is pulling his strings behind the scenes, whether that's Condoleezza or Soros or whoever the hell it might be. It ain't Joe Biden coming up with these ideas that are ruining the country because he's too much of an idiot. Frightening. Well, we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. I'm going to say Joe Biden's FBI, but, <laughs> you know, what I just said... <sighs> Check this out. The article's in our show notes. An Amish farmer has been threatened for not giving up traditional farming. You people have gone way over the top too far. This is insane. Armed federal agents 
were used to threaten a traditional Amish farmer. If you don't know, most people do. The Amish people is a, a religious group. They they don't believe in any technology. They don't use electricity. Uh, they they live a very simple life. They eat what they grow on their lands. Um, it, just 150 miles outside of Washington, D.C., they have threatened a traditional Amish farmer. He doesn't use pesticides. He doesn't use fertilizer. And he doesn't use gas to run his farm. An Amish farmer, Amos Miller, and the owner of Miller's Organic Farm, 150 miles from Washington, D.C., has been under the USDA's microscope since 2015. National Organic Program from the U.S. Department of Agriculture that first launched an investigation back in 2015, seeking all the food club's purchase records and a list of members who pay a premium to get food from an independent farmer who doesn't process meat and dairy at the USDA facility. Miller's helped organize private food clubs where individuals can buy produce, dairy, and meat from traditional farmers. The Department of Justice seems apparently intent on stamping them out. He produces and sells organic meat, dairy, eggs, experts, uh, pushing fake junk food for billions in profits, uh, including the current sustainable plant-based consumables that kind of resemble convenience store food rather than whole food. And uh, historically, experts believe food cultivation has been widely established for roughly 7,000 years. Unbelievable. The current story began in 2015 when he came out of the microscope of the USDA. He was taken to court by the Justice Department at the behest of the USDA. And uh, they had issues with him in November of 2019 when he was attending a Weston A. Price Foundation conference and stored some of his raw milk products in the hotel's coolers. Anyway, the FBI has raided his farm. They are trying to shut him down. They're doing everything. Read the article. There's all kinds of cool details in here. And trust me, it will piss you off. It is insane. And once again, those morons from the FBI and whoever's pulling Joe Biden's strings are doing their best to get rid of people trying to make an honest day's work. All right. Central bank digital currencies. Oh, boy. Yeah, really. Well, before we get to that, we want to tell you about Brickhouse Nutrition, one of our sponsors here on the show. Brickhouse Nutrition. Hey, I got to... Remind me later to tell you something about AI and Brickhouse Nutrition. Fruits, uh, fruits and vegetables, the key to healthy living. You know that. I don't need to tell you that. Fruits and vegetables are the anchor of any healthy diet. The problem is 
you got to go shopping for them. You got to prepare them. They're hard to cook. Sometimes if you don't get to them right away, they, they rot, they go off before you can cook them and prepare them. How many times has that happened to you? A lot. Hello. Anyway, Field of Greens, which is this amazing product right here, is a science-backed formula of specific, healthy, wholesome fruits and vegetables ground up into an amazing-tasting powder. You just mix it in with your favorite drink. You can mix it with water if you want. Green tea, orange juice, whatever. These are real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. They're not extract. If you look on the back of the box, uh, the, the, the package, the container, it doesn't say supplement facts. It says nutrition facts because these are real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. All kinds of great tasty flavors are there. You need your fruits and veggies. It's not always easy to get them and cook them and prepare them. This is a great way to get a daily healthy dose and it will it will improve your life you will not believe it is so good for you field of greens from brickhouse nutrition use our special link in the show notes by the way you will get an amazing offer just use that link click over go over check out brickhouse nutrition thanks brickhouse nutrition appreciate it all right here we go mm, central bank digital currency you're going to get it, whether you like it or not. You're going to get it, good and hard. Where central banks have issued digital currency. The value of Bitcoin, NFTs, have fallen over the past year. But a different approach to cryptocurrency is growing in popularity around the world. Uh, showcasing a totally different face of blockchain. Central bank digital currencies controlled by the government like traditional currencies, are represent the polar opposite of the idea of decentralized, non-traceable bitcoins. Don't let anybody tell you uh, central bank digital currencies are like bitcoin. They are the polar opposite of bitcoin, in spite of the hype. CBDC launched even earlier in Nigeria and Caribbean countries, the Bahamas, Grenada, Dominica, St. Lucia. The sand dollar of the Bahamas was the first CBDC currency of the world. It launched in 2019. Wow. Now take a look at this. If you think you are not going to be affected, you would be wrong. Uh, nope, don't want that offer. Here. Where central banks have issued digital currency, this dark green area, here China, of course, as, as Nigeria, Jamaica, the Bahamas, these are currency that is currently issued. It exists, central bank digital currency. Countries with pilot programs are the light green, including Canada. I don't know, is that Brazil here? Australia. Uh, plans to issue currency is an, an even lighter shade of green, which I don't see too many of them. Looks like India is there. And then exploring digital currency. No plans yet, but they're, oh, we're studying it, which means it will happen. The U.S., is that Chile? I don't know what country that is there. My geography sucks. Anyway, this map, the link to this is in our show notes. You must check it out. 
But another thing that you must check out is this video. This is very cool. It's an animation put together. I, I wish I could give a hat tip to who did it because I, I, I didn't see who did it. What would your life be like on a digital currency? Watch this. Bruce Kowalski, your monthly universal basic income has been deposited into your account. For more information, press details. You have been paid 2,000 central bank digital tokens. The following fees are being deducted. Accommodation fee. Food ration fee. Recycling fee. Clean energy fee. Personal greenhouse gas emissions fee. Climate change fee. Diversity fee. Your current remaining balance is 5 central bank digital tokens, and if not spent, it will expire in seven days. Says a lot, huh? Yep. Here you go. Including the rather scary faces of some people who are responsible for the crap that is about to tear open your wallet. You appear to be outside of your approved geolocation. Purchase declined. You've reached your quota of meat this month. That's uh, Klaus, isn't it? Yeah, idiot. Introducing a trickle tax on your 401k unrealized gains. No action is required on your part. And finally, a surplus fossil, fossil fuel tax will be taken from your account this month based on your mileage records. Is that the common world you want to live in? Yeah. Then you just sit on your ass and don't do anything about this central bank digital currency crap until it bites you square on the butt and suddenly you wake up and realize things are not as rosy as you think they are. And Oh my goodness, look, this central bank digital currency thing is really happening. It's here. And imagine... Like that video showed. Imagine your money expires. If you don't use it, it's gone. <sighs> All right. In hindsight, we're going to move on to COVID-19. Yeah. Exposing the corruption and collusion of COVID-19 response. This is an article from the Daily Signal. The link is in our show notes. I encourage you to read this because it's an eye-opener. In a world shrouded by a veil of secrecy, the common man very seldom sees the twisted alliance between the ruling class and the corporate giants. The global COVID-19 pandemic unleashed a wave of destruction that demanded swift action. Yet, the thirst for power and control drove governments to unprecedented heights. And it's going to happen again. Forged unholy alliances with pharmaceutical conglomerates that obviously put profits over people's lives. This sinister collusion threatened to tear the very fabric of society apart. 
and jeopardize the lives of billions of people in the name of greed. This from Armstrong Williams. In the early days of the pandemic, a united America stood firmly behind the notion that lockdowns were the only way to curb this rampant spread of COVID-19, ignoring the fact that the virus had a 99.9% survival rate. The majority of the population, gripped by the fear of a disease that the mainstream media did a great job of convincing you was as deadly and horrible as it wasn't, necessary precautions, and we all just said, okay, fine, we'll stay in the house and we'll lock our doors. Amid the uncertainty, the loom of death, People's natural instinct to protect themselves and their loved ones kicked in, prompting them to stay indoors, practice social distancing. You remember those idiotic stickers in the uh, grocery stores and things? Six feet apart or two meters apart, whatever it was. Anyway, as more and more information came out, more and more people realized that it was all crap and we were all played even down to the vaccines themselves. Yeah. Very scary. This article, it's more of an opinion piece, but it's absolutely brilliant. And it it talks about, we were told even that those who were vaccinated should still practice social distancing and wear a mask. Pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer and Moderna stated there was no need to worry about the long-term side effects given the billions of doses administered, though this circular logic really kind of went unnoticed. Tens of millions of Americans were faced with the agonizing dilemma of choosing between their work and their beliefs. And a lot of them sadly chose their work over holding strong to their beliefs. Can't fault you, the public societal pressure was absolutely unbelievable. I've told you before, I've lived for 65 years without a single regret in my life. I've always said it. Ask anybody who knows me, who's known me throughout any point in my life, and I have always said I have absolutely no regrets. I might have done some things differently, but I don't regret the decisions I made. Until now. I have now in my life one regret, and that is that I caved, and I got the clot shot. Thankfully, I only had two, and that's all I will ever have, and I regret having those. Read this article, opinion piece, I should say. It's absolutely fascinating, well stated, uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, All right, got another one for you. If you are a religious church-going person, uh, this is going to be a little upsetting for you. This is a bit weird. It's a strange poll. This is an article in Red State. A majority of Americans accuse churches of abandoning the basic tenets of Christianity. Weird. Now, look, I'm not a Christian. I have no particular faith. In fact, I'm kind of an agnostic leaning towards an atheist. I know. What a heathen, right? Anyway, if you notice over the last several years or longer, the more the left attacks the tenets of Christianity, the more some Christian churches seemingly rush to abandon or water down their fundamental Christian doctrine in an attempt to 
placate the Christian left. Hmm. So how's that twisted symbiotic relationship working out? Well, according to a recent Rasmussen poll, a majority of respondents believe America is losing that old-time religion. More than 75% of an online poll said religious faith is important in their daily lives. Adults who attend services at least seven, at least weekly, rather, are more likely to strongly agree that too many religious institutions today are watering down or abandoning their traditional beliefs in an effort to appease some crazy leftist moral crap. Well, what they think are morals. 52% of evangelical Christians, as well as 34% of Catholics, 30% of Protestants, and 41% of Jews, Rasmussen found, considering pre-abortion churches in Texas fight fetal heartbeat laws, vow to take God back from the religious right, the churches, which refer to themselves as reproductive freedom congregations, Hmm, how clever. They're united in their public support of a woman's right to an abortion and are determined to take God back from the religious right. Uh, God was unavailable for comment, although sources say he might weigh in later. No biggie, just a church hosting a drag queen prayer time for children. Yeah, there you go. There's a drag queen on the pulpit. What's wrong with this picture? Unbelievable. I gotta, where are we? Okay, I, I gotta show you something, which I bookmarked on my Twitter account because it is so powerful. It is insanely powerful. It's just words on a page, so I'm not going to pop it up here. I didn't put the link in our show notes, but you need to listen to this. Nobody cared that you wanted to wear makeup and women's clothes. We accepted you. We mistook grace and tolerance for weakness. Emboldened, you decided to attack, recruit, and replace women and children. That was your biggest mistake. The LGB community is welcome in society. We embrace them. They live free, unencumbered. What consenting adults do is their God-given free will choice. You, however, the trans movement, is on the cusp of failing miserably. It will get worse. You have overreached. You, we will now reject you. We will never stop protecting straight or gay women and children. However, you will stop trying to replace and indoctrinate them, or we will shun you back in the closet, not to be seen without pushback and shame, and remove you from popular culture. You don't get to choose our language, our parts of speech. You don't get to sexualize and recruit our family members. So, settle your violent, antisocial, deviant down, back your ass up, and realize you are not entitled to anything, most especially 
our children. What we will continue to do is push back peacefully and socially, and it will not be temporary or fast forgotten, and we will not cease and desist. If you continue your demonic actions all the while claiming victimhood in the process, we will reject you and anything you support. This is a peaceful and effective reminder to you that we are over 90% of America and we have had enough. Boom. I'm telling you, that is from the real Johnny Bravo at Bushell John on Twitter. I encourage you to follow that guy because it is absolutely brilliant. Well written. Wow. All right. I got one more before we get on to our, uh, our book tonight, White Fang. We'll be continuing starting the final segment, chapter one of the part five. So that'll be coming up. But this, this week, the Dalai Lama was in the news, and not in the best way. Um, there was a video and a story out about the Dalai Lama uh, asking a young boy to suck his tongue, which on the surface seems weird. But for those of you in America, you have to understand there are other cultures who don't do things the way we do things in America. Sometimes they are completely different. We look at something from another culture that we've never seen before and go, what? I'll give you, and it's hardly a comparative example, but I'll give you a small example. When I first moved here to Malaysia, it is extremely common here for people to eat with their hands. Now, in America, no. You would, it's like, what are you, two years old eating with your hands? Here, it is a part of the culture and perfectly accepted. Look, this is not something like the Dalai Lama saying, suck my tongue to a little kid. But it is something culturally completely different from anything I was used to in America. I have tried eating the way they do here. I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people will eat still with their hands. It's maybe because I've you know lived so long and I haven't. I've used a knife and a fork and a spoon, so it's it's extremely difficult for me to to figure out exactly how it works. Because there's an art to doing it, by the way. But um, it, it freaked me out culturally. It's still to this day when I see somebody eating with their hands. It's like what? Oh yeah, it's the culture. Whatever. Anyway, back to this story. Um, the Tibetan tongue greeting is explained in this article. He recently responded to a video. Now, frankly, I don't think the Dalai Lama should have apologized at all. The video just surfaced. It took place February 28th of this year. Um, during the day, the spiritual leader, 
interacted with over 100 students, all of who had completed a training program organized by the M3M Foundation. And the spiritual leader, uh, where are we here? Okay. Um, in Tibetan culture, sticking out your tongue has a different meaning than it does in the U.S. or the U.K. Often it's used as a greeting in traditional Tibetan culture. A tongue sticking out is understood as a sign of agreement or respect. It goes back to Tibetan folklore, the legend of a 9th century king who had a black tongue and a cruel heart. And so people would stick out their tongue as a greeting to show that their tongue was not black so that they weren't evil. Anyway, it is a very common expression when people meet. And in fact, uh, the whole idea behind uh, the, the suck my tongue thing has to do with this uh, grandfather story where they, they would be giving out candies and the grandfather would be, be sucking on a candy and there'd be no more. So he'd say, I, I don't have any more. So here you go. Suck my tongue. Uh, anyway, it, it, I know it even sounds weird when I say it, but trust that it is a part of the Tibetan culture. It is not some horrific, awful thing that, oh my God, because it's not a part of your culture. And consequently, you would not understand. So before you go drawing conclusions that probably do not need to be drawn, you should indeed know that, uh, that there is a different story behind what happens in some people's cultures. Check this out. It is absolutely baffling and heartbreaking to watch a manipulated viral video edited and cleverly spliced without the beginning and end to negatively change the context of an innocent and playful interaction between His Holiness the Dalai Lama with a young Indian student. Now, we do live in a new era of synthetic media, but if you're willing to open your mind and make decisions without assumptions, and even fact check the quality of the tailored information that you have received, then I encourage you to watch this video till the end where I will pull the full unedited interaction between His Holiness and the young Indian student. For the context to the video online, the woman sitting on the stage there is the boy's mother. Here's the boy breaking a coconut as an auspicious tradition as His Holiness was returning back to his residence. You probably did not see any of these. Uh, you were not meant to see any of these. So please remember them as you watch the unedited video later. Okay, so I believe I put that link in our show notes. I'm not sure, but you can look it up online and it is a full explanation as to exactly what happened. And you did not get the whole story. You ought to know that. Okay, are you ready for some White Fang? Hey, believe it or not, we are starting the final chapter, uh, the final part. It's a five-part book, and uh, each part has several chapters in it. We have made our way to part five. It's chapter one in White Fang from Jack London, first published back in 1906. When we get to the end of this book, we will be starting George Orwell's 1984. So, here we go. Chapter 1 of Part 5. It's called The Long Trail. It was in the air. White Fang sensed the coming calamity even before there was tangible evidence of it. 
In vague ways it was borne in upon him that a change was impending. He knew not how nor why, yet he had the feeling of the upcoming change from the gods themselves. In ways subtler than they knew, they betrayed their intention to the wolf-dog that haunted the cabin's stoop, and that, though he never came inside the cabin, knew what went on inside their brains. Listen to that, will you? The dog musher exclaimed at supper one night. Wheaton Scott listened. Through the door came a low, anxious whine, like a sobering under the breath that had just grown audible. Then came the long sniff, as White Fang reassured himself that his god was still inside and hadn't yet taken himself off in mysterious and solitary flight. I do believe that wolf's on to you, the dog musher said. Wheaton Scott looked across at his companion with eyes that almost pleaded, though this was given the lie by his words. What the devil can I do with a wolf in California? He demanded. That's what I say, Matt answered. What the devil can you do with a wolf in California? But this didn't satisfy Wheaton Scott. The others seemed to be judging him in a non-committal sort of way. White man's dogs would have no show against him, Scott went on. He'd kill him on sight. If he didn't bankrupt me with damaged suits, the authorities would take him away from me and electrocute him. He's a downright murderer, I know, was the dog musher's comment. Oh, Wheaton Scott looked at him suspiciously. It'd never do, he said decisively. It would never do, Matt concurred. Why, you'd have to hire a man special just to take care of him. The other suspicion was allayed. He nodded cheerfully, and in the silence that followed, the low, half-sobbing whine was heard at the door, and then the long, questing sniff. There's no denying he thinks a hell of a lot of you, Matt said. The other glared at him in a sudden wrath. Damn it all, man, I know my mind and I know what's best. I'm agreeing with you, only... Only what? Scott snapped out. Only... The dog musher began slowly, then changed his mind and betrayed a rising anger of his own. Well, you needn't get so all fired up, head about it. Judging by your actions, one think you didn't know your own mind. Wheaton Scott debated with himself for a while, and then said more gently, You are right, Matt. I don't know my own mind, and that's what's the trouble. Why, well, it'd be rank ridiculous for me to take that dog along, he broke out after another pause. I'm agreeing with you, was Matt's answer. And again, his employer was not quite satisfied with him. But how, in the name of the great Sandinopolis, he knows you're going is what gets me, the dog musher continued innocently. It's beyond me, Matt, Scott answered with a mournful shake of his head. Then came the day when, through the open cabin door, 
White Fang saw the fatal grip on the floor and the love master packing things into it. Also, there were comings and goings, and the erstwhile placid atmosphere of the cabin was vexed with strange perturbations and unrest. Here was undubitable evidence. White Fang had already scented it. He now reasoned it. His god was preparing for another flight. Since he hadn't taken him with him before, so now he could look to be left behind. That night, he lifted a long wolf howl as he'd howled in his puppy days, and he fled back from the wild to the village to find it vanished, and naught but a rubbish heap to mark the site of Grey Beaver's teepee. So now he pointed his muzzle to the cold stars and told them his woe. Inside the cabin, the two men had just gone to bed. He's gone off his food again, Matt remarked from his bunk. There was a grunt from Wheaton Scott's bunk and a stir of blankets. From the way he cut up the other time you went away, I wouldn't wonder this time but what he died. The blankets in the other bunk stirred irritably. Oh, shut up, Scott cried out through the darkness. You nag worse than a woman. I'm agreeing with you, the dog musher answered. And Wheaton Scott wasn't quite sure whether or not the other had snickered. Well, the next day, White Fang's anxiety and restlessness were even more pronounced. He dogged his master's heels whenever he left the cabin, haunted the front stoop when he remained inside, and through the open door he could catch glimpses of the luggage on the floor. The grip had been joined by two large canvas bags and a box. Matt was rolling the master's blankets and fur robe inside a small tarpaulin. White Fang winced as he watched this operation. Later on, two Indians arrived. He watched them closely as they shouldered the luggage and were led off down the hill by Matt, who carried the bedding and the grip. But White Fang didn't follow them. The master was still in the cabin. And after a time, Matt returned. The master came to the door and called White Fang inside. You poor devil, he said gently, rubbing White Fang's ears tapping his spine. I'm hitting the long trail, old man, where you cannot follow. Now give me a growl, the last good goodbye growl. But White Fang refused to growl. Instead, and after a wistful, searching look, he snuggled in, burrowed his head out of sight between the master's arm and body. There she blows, Matt cried. From the Yukon arose the hoarse bellowing of a river steamboat. You gotta cut it short. Be sure and lock the front door. I'll go out the back. Get a move on. The two doors slammed at the same moment. Wheat and Scott waited for Matt to come around to the front. From inside the door came a low whining, sobbing. There were long, deep-drawn sniffs. You must take good care of him, Matt, Scott said as they started down the hill. Right, let me know how it gets along. 
Sure, the dog musher answered. Listen to that, will you? Both men stopped. White Fang was howling as dogs howl when their masters lie dead. He was voicing in utter woe, his cry bursting upward in great heart-breaking rushes, dying down into the quavering misery, bursting upward again with a rush upon rush of grief. The Aurora was the first steamboat of the year from the outside, and her decks were jammed with prosperous adventurers and broken gold seekers, all equally mad to get to the outside as they had originally been to get to the inside. And near the gangplank, Scott was shaking hands with Matt, who was preparing to go ashore. But Matt's hands went limp in the other's grasp as his gaze shot past and remained fixed on something behind him. Scott turned to see. Sitting on the deck, several feet away, watching wistfully, was White Fang. The dog musher swore softly in awe-stricken accents. Scott could only look on and wonder. Did you lock the front door? Matt demanded. The other nodded and asked, How about the back? You bet I did, was the fervent reply. White Fang flattened his ears ingratiatingly, but remained where he was, making no attempt to approach. I'll have to take him ashore with me. Matt made a couple of steps toward White Fang, but the latter slid away from him. The dog musher made a rush of it. White Fang dodged between the legs of a group of men. Ducking, turning, doubling, he slid about the deck, eluding the other's effort to capture him. But when the love master spoke, White Fang came to him with prompt obedience. Won't come to the hand that's fed him all these months, the dog musher muttered resentfully. And you, you ain't never fed him after that first days of getting acquainted. I'm blamed if I see how it works out that you're the boss. Scott, who'd been patting White Fang, suddenly bent closer, pointed out fresh-made cuts on his muzzle and a gash between his eyes. Matt bent over and passed his hand along White Fang's belly. He plump forgot the window. He's all cut and gouged underneath. Must have butted clean through it, Bagosh. But Wheaton Scott wasn't listening. He was thinking rapidly. The Aurora's whistle hooted a final announcement of departure. Men were scurrying down the gangplank to the shore. Matt loosened the bandana from around his neck and started to put it around White Fang's. Scott grasped the dog musher's hand. Goodbye, Matt, old man. About the wolf. You needn't write. You see, I've... What? The dog musher exploded. You don't mean to say... The very thing I mean. Here's your bandana. I'll write you about him. Matt paused halfway down the gangplank. He'll never stand a chance in the climate, he shouted back, unless you clip him in warm weather. The gangplank was hauled in and the aurora swung out from the bank. Wheaton Scott waved the last goodbye, then turned and bent over White Fang, standing by his side. 
Now growl, damn you. Growl, he said as he patted the responsive head and rubbed the flattening ears. Coming up in our next stream, we'll do chapter two as we head towards the end of White Fang. It's called The Southland. We will have that for you on Wednesday's show. All right, that's going to do it for tonight. Thanks so much for watching and joining in. Please don't forget follow button right here. Just give it a click. It's free and it helps the show out a lot. And of course, our sponsors, they uh, would love to hear from you. You'll find all those links in our show notes. A brand new, you know, we've got the merchandise here. We've got our Jay Sheldon Show merchandise. There's a new link there for the Jay Sheldon Show AI Art Gallery. It's a cool idea. Check it out. The link's in our show notes tonight. I'll see you again on Wednesday night. Until then, this has been the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. Snort. <laughs>